0: This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Bores. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of The Rest is PR. Lyle here without my wonderful co host, Jackie Bores. You're about to listen to an episode, which is part two of the Christian Horner scandal series, if you like, of our podcasts. And uh, Jackie and I recorded it on a Thursday afternoon as we always do and we're absolutely delighted with the episode that we have recorded. However, immediately after we recorded our episode, some new breaking news came to light in the form of some anonymous leaks which included some of the text messages Christian Horner is alleged to have sent and a few photos as well. While those leaks are yet to be verified, it is pertinent of us to say right at the beginning of this episode that we recorded Christian Horner part two Before these leaks emerged, there will be a part three on The Rest is PR, but this is just to say that the episode you're about to hear was recorded without any knowledge of the news that has come to light overnight. And we will respond with a part three on The Rest is PR very soon. Thanks so much, guys, and enjoy this latest episode. Hello everyone and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be barring any incident at all, is Lyle Fulton and I'm joined, as I know, I always will be, by the absolutely wonderful Jackie Vores. Jackie who's coordinated beautifully her jumper and hat game today, which I've I've been admiring. I haven't actually mentioned this before we went live, but I've chosen the second we start recording, to mention that you're just so brilliantly coordinated. How are you this fine Thursday afternoon, the home of our recording sessions? How are you doing? How has your week been?
1: The week's been great. The week's been really good. Today has not has been calamitous. <laughs> and Niall is starting to, to, to wet himself laughing because I have literally done a 15-minute rant <laughs> at him before he came on air. And every now and again, I get this wave of frustration that I feel I need to to, to rant again, but I will, I I won't rant. I just was waiting for a parcel. And it's one of those things that you wait all day and you know it's going to be coming in the next 10 minutes and you tell somebody to listen out for the parcel and the parcel doesn't arrive. The bell goes, you see it on your ring doorbell. You phone up and say, did you get the parcel? You're like, huh, didn't hear the doorbell. Oh my God! If I just waited myself for ten more minutes, anyway, I'm not even. I'm not even getting into it. It's just very frustrating. And In fact, we
0: promised, I- didn't
1: I- we? Try to ring doorbells
0: and we did say didn't we I mean you did say to your credit you said I will have a little bit of a rant before we go live and then I won't mention uh, anything on the podcast certainly nothing specific (laughs) and I'm very pleased you did and listeners and particularly viewers you'll have seen that I started to wet myself a little bit there because as Jackie rightly points out I have been party to the specifics the ins and outs of this (laughs) event just before we went live Uh, and let's just say it will all sort itself out and there will be a reception of sorts after we finished our recording session this fine Thursday afternoon I'm good listeners as well I'm, I'm doing very well I've had a fantastic week myself uh eagle-eyed viewers will see behind me that I have mercifully written in the right the, the right way round I've written Hamlet because my beautiful wife Alice was in a film this week, which is an absolutely mad thing to say. We went to a screening of it, a cast and crew screening of the film Hamlet, which is a filmed adaptation of the stage play they did a couple of years ago at the Theatre Royal in Windsor. We went to go and see that last Tuesday, and then this Tuesday just gone, it was in the cinemas, UK-wide, nationally. And it was very, very exciting indeed. Went with her family, went with a few of our friends, and she did very, very well. And so I've chosen to keep that on the whiteboard behind me, and I've decided that I've learned my lesson and it's going to stay the right way round. It's not <laughs> going to be back to front in an attempt to be really.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. An attempt to be really technically funky and fun when it comes to podcasting. But I'm just going to go back to what your week has been like. And in particular, your day has been like for today's segue. Ring the Segway bell. The Segway claxon is blaring loud and clear because there's a Segway bell. Off we go. Someone did something today, which, you know, generated a sense of disappointment from my glorious co-host miss jackie bores <laughs> and uh this is jackie Bors, in fact. and someone else did something that a couple of weeks ago or rather a couple of months ago looked set to generate some disappointment and we have obviously done a podcast about him since i'm of course talking about red bull racing team principal mr christian horner who was alleged to have behaved inappropriately in the form of what we believe is sending inappropriate messages to someone within the Red Bull Racing organization we tentatively teased that we were going to do a part two because as we said at the end of that episode there was always a chance in fact there was definitely a chance there was going to be an outcome one way or another well we have had that outcome listeners haven't we we have had news this week in fact that Christina Horner team principal of Red Bull Racing has been found not guilty of all of the allegations. The investigation within Red Bull has led to him being found completely innocent of all of these allegations. And Jackie and I just sort of thought, well, it seems right to do a bit of a part two, to do a follow-up, you know, a right of response to our own podcast, in the sense that we thought Red Bull had dealt with it very, very well from a PR perspective. We felt that Christian Horner had dealt with it very well and conducted himself very well publicly. And I suppose now the question, Jackie, is they've obviously been proven right in how they dealt with it. We're a lot sooner after the result than we were when we initially spoke about it because the allegations have been floating around for a number of weeks by the time we did a podcast. So I suppose the main question is, like, how do you predict Red Bull and Christian Horner will proceed from a PR perspective? Obviously, business as usual was a quote we used last time we did the podcast. Do you think it will still be that as we head into this weekend coming is the start of the F1 season? So do you, do you think they'll sort of proceed the way they have done before?
1: Let me make a prediction. Here we go. I think this is going to turn into another Formula One blockbuster movie like Ferrari, like any of the other ones before, because the story of this, I think, is going to show many more facets than originally you see. So, right now, but well, so. When we first started talking about this story, we were just talking about it from the perspective of a wronged victim as a woman and accusing Christian Horner of coercive behaviour, inappropriate behaviour, sexual misconduct. All these things have been floated around. And our perspective was that whatever was the truth, the communication from Red Bull was done correctly, Red Bull Racing and Red Bull was done correctly. It's quite interesting. I've Since we did this previous podcast, I've really sort of had a look more deeply into it. I've listened to a few F1 podcasts. I've looked on a few F1 messaging boards on Reddit and places like that just to see what the sort of the cognoscenti, how they took it. And it's really, really intriguing when you start to sort of uncover different motivations and this is why crisis communications is so so important because you never know the backgrounds to the whys the where's the who's the until the, the actual final crisis comes out when the final crisis is out and you're dealing with it as a crisis comms issue as I've always said you need to get your investigation boots on and you need to find out very quickly what is behind all of the crisis? You need to be telling people that you are investigating it and that you do want to communicate this properly. You need to communicate internally and to the people involved how you are going to deal with this and how seriously you are taking it and making sure that anybody who needs information knows where the information point is and knows that things are happening. And That's why I kind of gave Red Bull a great big tick because I felt that they did it very quickly, very efficiently, very objectively, not um, with any kind of judgment. You know, Christian Horner was allowed to carry on his work. Should that woman still have been working with him, it would have been entirely appropriate for him to be suspended and for her to not be in the workplace either, because it wouldn't be fair for one to be out of the workplace and one to be in but as it turns out, that that woman is not in the workplace, so it was, it was possible for him to continue in his role, as he should have done, because he wasn't found guilty of anything yet. It's only if that direct crisis could, ha- could continue to happen where you have to take that sort of physical action. You can't punish people without due evidence and without due process. Anyway, so having sort of done my little CSI work on this, What's transpired is even more interesting and more salacious than any kind of misconduct on part on the part of Christian Horner. What's transpired is that ever since the death of the Red Bull principal, and I can't say his long surname, so Dieter.
0: Yes, of course. Name, yeah.
1: Who really championed Christian Horner, who was just like anything Christian Horner says goes, but he died last year. And there's been a huge change in the power flow, the chain of power within Red Bull. And a hugely political play is coming to pass within that organisation. And there can be coincidence, but I think in this case, I don't know whether there is coincidence in the fact that it's very obvious to everybody within Red Bull that there are Conflicting forces, and that Christian Horner and his team are not as well positioned to do what they want to do anymore. Yeah, um, and that other people coming into power want to run the team in a different way, and even within the power structure that is now in force, there's apparently a load of investors who want their say and other people within the Red Bull organization who might have a conflicting view with the investors. So it's all looking really, really scrumptiously like a huge political play. And I'm not sure. And certainly from the threads that I've been reading of people who are in the industry I'm not sure it's not directly related to bringing a weakness of Horner's into play that would help in the process of getting rid of him.
0: Well, because it's not been remotely close, has it? I mean, like when you look at, and obviously the two aren't interlinked. I mean, what's interesting is the rhetoric that's been sort of, you know, revolving around this investigation and this story is that the FIA, who are the overarching authority on Formula One, are currently and have been continuously throughout the process committed to and this is obviously very like you say very politically correct to say committed to the authenticity and the integrity of the competition and committed to the values that should be upheld in formula one so they were massively in favor of the red bull racing investigation now what would happen in a political scandal of this kind is you would arguably have an independent commission appointed by the government investigate the situation there would also probably be I say independent commission. There'd be an independent commission not appointed by the government. There'd be an internal government investigation. Then there might be, potentially, depending on what the nature of the baby was, even a criminal investigation. And we've obviously had these things all surface when we've discussed how other organisations have dealt with the likes of the Philip Schofield incident, the Hugh Edwards incident, the Metropolitan Police have got involved. This is way outside the jurisdiction of any criminal proceedings because A, Formula One teams are internationally... So far. Formula One teams are internationally traveling that's the first thing and the second thing is, is that obviously thus far nothing's happened and one imagines while this is not the end of the talking points this might well be the end of the investigations for the foreseeable because obviously red bull have conducted their own investigation and people seem well,
1: look happy. at the chain of power actually here that was also quite interesting that sh- the lady um in question didn't raise her complaints with red bull racing she raised it with the parent company red bull Mm. she's taken the complaint there and they did appoint an independent barrister to do the investigation. And apparently Red Bull don't normally talk. No. So for them to be so outward and vocal is actually a statement in itself. Yep. And I think if you're really looking at it with all of that sort of power play in, in mind, it was even more of a plucky move for Horner to, to go business as usual. It was even yeah. more of a strong rebuttal. Yeah.
0: And They went very public, didn't they? They went very public with the fact. And obviously, I come from a, you know, intensely following football perspective. And quite often, you know, when I was growing up, I just followed the fixtures and the clubs and the players. And now I kind of am all over X, formerly Twitter, about, you know, news coming out from various you know newspapers and things like that and and news outlets but it's interesting that you're right there was a barrister appointed i believe by red bull as you rightly point out who on the 9th of february conducted an interview with christian horner and then red bull themselves went public with the fact that there had been no resolution to that interview and it was all we we applauded them on the last episode of the podcast about again how clearly this was communicated the idea of there being no resolution to a legal interview could be construed by as all oh, the plot thickens it's just going to move ahead here but red bull still weren't shy in communicating that there was no resolution and you and i both know neither of us were born yesterday that will have been briefed by a red bull that's not just a newspaper getting hold of a leak from a lawyer because there is so much red tape involved in these legal conversations being kept private if the organization in question wants them kept private so the it was red bull that wanted this publicly available as a news story that there'd been no resolution 100%. to the
1: and, and I listened to journalists on the F1 podcast talking about how they were briefed and how they had, you know, they were surprised, I think, at the fact that they were being briefed. They were surprised at the fact that Horner was okay to speak, but they were told there are lines yeah. which you cannot cross and there are questions which you can't ask him. And I think at the time when I was I was listening to the podcast, they were saying that, you know, they had they felt that it was a bit of a story that they got him to acknowledge that this had been a distraction to the launch of the the car for the coming season. So it's really it is. It's really fascinating. And now they have announced that he's been cleared. They've announced that they found no grounds for the complaints but if you look in all of the forums and everything else everyone's saying this is not over you know that that this the woman concerned may well take it further in terms of a civil pursue it as a civil case yeah so it's even more interesting um to see what some people are saying well why didn't she just go for a civil case anyway why not just just go for it? Why not have it ready to go the yeah. minute you get the the answer from Red Bull, yes or no? Just do it. And there's other people saying, well, you know, she probably won't do it because the, of the findings. It's very it's very tricky, and this is why it's this is why I think it comes down to it's not what actually happens at the end of these things. It's actually how you handle. The bad, yeah. Yeah. bad news. And we can so far see that Red Bull Racing are handling this by carrying on as they would normally do, which is, in my opinion, the right thing to do.
0: Well, because actually we, we we spoke about this in the last episode, didn't we? Because I think you're absolutely spot on everything you say. And what I was going to say previously is that there is something about Formula One and the politics that runs alongside it that is so symbiotic as a relationship in a way that no other sports really have it because other teams will be getting feedback on performance in very real time like immediacy the immediacy of the feedback of other teams performance as well as your own is second to none in formula one they all have those we've all seen it on the tv all those screens we're talking split seconds can gain you places like nothing else like nothing else in sport because split seconds make such a difference yeah, you know, again you look at football but even rugby cricket other team sports like that you know you can't unless you're doing something really hooky you can't see these teams trains so you're not getting that immediacy of how well they're performing that week but teams like ferrari like mclaren like mercedes will be able to draw their own opinions on whether or not the backdrop that seems to cloud red bull at the moment is affecting their on track performance and they'll be able to sense that in real time they'll be able to see whether or not christian horner's distracted and making this, these strange decisions and this is also against the backdrop and we're going to try not to make it a we're really excited about the f1 season starting podcast but we are really excited about the f1 season starting this is also against a backdrop of just seismic change in the sport
1: not mm. just in terms of the
0: rules but you've got arguably still even though verstappen has been the most successful driver in the last three or four years you've got still many would argue the pin-up boy of formula one moving to the most iconic team in the sport in red red. you know it's 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 a it's what everyone i think dream would happen it's like you know it you know ferrari are still the brazil of f1 you know even if ferrari you know underperform over the (laughs) next you know they are extraordinary that it's such a brand within f1 it's got such a history
1: this is interesting you just mentioned they're such a brand that's it Mm. they are such a brand but if you go through Formula One throughout the years. This is a great example of a brand and brand marketing and how brilliantly Ferrari has managed its brand in F1. They really haven't won that often over the years. There'll be the occasional Michael Schumacher or there'll be the occasional win. But over the years, if you really add it all up, they don't deserve to be as iconic as they are in Formula One. Yeah. Um, in based on um, based on results
0: yeah who's the uh, ego who's the bigger right who's been the more successful team right in the last 10 years Manchester City or Manchester United
1: man United of course no
0: on the pitch mm. Manchester City Ma- in the man- last 10 years. Manchester City so Red Bull have been the most successful Formula One team in the last five years and it's not even been close the last two or three years ever since Verstappen won that absolutely extraordinary last Grand Prix where there was all sorts of stuff going on which was I mean still remains for me one of the most compelling pieces of sports viewing in history that Verstappen Hamilton final duel in the last race of the season I think four years ago now Red Bull have been the most successful team in the last five years biggest brand in F1 bar none is Ferrari bar none but like you 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 go to monza which a couple of friends of mine did a couple of years ago and they're going to try and go soon again as well you go to monza obviously in italy ferrari caps ferrari shirts ferrari jackets everywhere you go to bahrain ferrari caps ferrari jackets everywhere you go to silverstone ferrari caps ferrari jackets everywhere like it's not just synonymous with italy and the brand being from italy in this iconic italian brand it's a worldwide leviathan of a brand in the same way that Manchester City for the last 10 years have dominated English football dominated European football and last year dominated world football by by winning everything obviously by a long long way the most successful football club on the pitch in the last 10 years biggest English football brand in the world bar nothing is Manchester United and I can say and I'm allowed to say this because I support them they're rubbish like they really are rubbish at the moment, right? And yet they are the most successful and most. Going
1: a little. We bit.
0: are rubbish, but no, but they are they are the most established course, brand.
1: If you're to say it. but I yeah. don't. Think, I don't think they're rubbish. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think that's they're it, isn't it?
1: still at the top half of the Premier League, which is still the best league in the whole
0: world. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: rubbish is a bit of a hard. I got to,
0: I got. I got. I got to count my chickens, but but you know. I think that's that that that's actually good. just going back to this Christian Horner thing. That that comes down to it, doesn't it? Is that actually you know the the investors and the shareholders in Red Bull Racing, one of their big things is always going to be, you know, they've made moves to guarantee that they're going to perform on the track. You know, they've got the best car, they've got the best crew they've got the best driver you know you could argue they have the best driver in f1 most consistent driver so they've got it all going on on the track but brand's important to them because they'll there will still be people higher up within that organization who will go for all it's going really well on the track and you mentioned earlier on in this episode about this idea of investors and maybe they want to ever so slightly shift how this organization has run this christian horner stuff however much it's been resolved in inverted commas now in the last few days with him being found not guilty of these allegations there will still be people investors in particular in that organization will go we've been playing catch-up brand wise because i i don't even think and i'm going to say something controversial it's a podcast it's our podcast i'm allowed to say something controversial red bull have been the red bull have been the most successful team on the track for the last five years i'd argue they're maybe the fourth biggest brand in f1 at at, you know highest in terms of being you know in f1 so red bull's a
1: brand surveys and that's an interesting thing. So it's only just us sort of doing a sense check. I yeah. mean, I'm sure there have been brand perception surveys and all sorts of things done for sponsors to decide to where, where to put their advertising bugs and, and how to negotiate the best deals. There must be some brand awareness yeah. or brand penetration kind of surveys done, which will show us what. But I'll tell you one thing we do know is there is millions and millions of pounds worth of sponsorship that is thrown at formula 1 and so when something like this happens with christian horner or oh when 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 sir lewis sir lewis cuz i think he does deserve the sir when sir lewis went to ferrari their stock went sky high oh
0: madness they madness paid
1: in one day for what, they couldn't pay him for his contract. Yeah. You know, they, they made that in one in one day. More Which is a like
0: mad that. amount of money, by the way, listeners. It's it just a you know, ridiculous amounts of money. But so,
1: You know, you know we're, not, we're not talking about one simple he said, she said, and that had no effect. This is actually big money. This is yeah. serious stuff. And this is why communications are so, so important. It's so interesting when you look at Hamilton's move to... Ferrari, because he did not tell a soul about the fact that he was going to Ferrari until he sat down with his boss and that was job done. Yeah. And then Ferrari could make the announcement and everyone's like oh you know he didn't even talk to his mom and dad oh you know that's it was all down to lewis he really thought it through it was because he wanted to be a, a, a he dreamt of being a racing driver since he was a little boy and when he had that dream he dreamt of wearing red balls to that he was under the strictest of ndas
0: yeah, yeah absolutely
1: um, no but seriously yeah, yeah no no
0: no i know i agree with
1: business. there's nothing romantic about this no this is Big business. He was under strict comms guidelines of when he could tell people what he was going to say and the timing of it all was down to a T.
0: And Lewis, you're going to say that when I was growing up, I dreamed of wearing red, even if that wasn't true. That's what you're going to say. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think what's incredible and what I'm realising when it comes to this Christine Horner thing. And, you know, I, too, like you, have listened to a few things. I've read a lot of stuff on this as well over the last week since we released the episode is that actually there is so much more to it than just watching an exciting Grand Prix over the course of a weekend which we're very excited to do this weekend because it kicks off this weekend just after we release this episode. And you say we don't think do things deliberately and plan stuff, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, of course we plan this, you know, again, like, you know, I'm not under any NDAs. I'm going to say, yeah, we've done this very deliberately. Of course we have. But there's so much more to it and there's so much going on behind the scenes. And, you know, we spoke a little bit, we alluded briefly to it in the last episode. Drive to Survive, I think, has shone a brilliant light in that because actually lots of Drive to Survive. Don't get me wrong. Lots of it is you're watching the races and you're watching clips oh, of it. Yeah. You know, and a
1: lot of it, uh, and and you've got to acknowledge this. It's a great entertainment show, but it oh. is that. It's entertainment. Yeah. A lot of it is scripted. They say it's all behind the scenes, what's and all. It's not behind the scenes. There's right? so much
0: more going on.
1: Very, very well put together, and it is a group participation of all of those brands and you don't see anything they don't want you to see for a reason because it's big business.
0: Well, because, I mean, and I'm gonna, I've am gonna, i got to be really careful here because obviously we're a podcast, we're, you know, we're still, we're, we've we been very successful, mm-hmm. but we're still, you know, by and large sort of starting out. And the last thing I want to do is kind of libel us, at least it's the imagination. But albeit he's been found innocent and I'm sure nothing totally untoward happened based on the Red Bulls investigation, There was clearly some sort of allegation, like an allegation was made. If we think in a million years that we're going to see how that was transmitted in any way other than how Red Bull and the wider F1 community want that message to be delivered on Drive to Survive, we're living in cloud cooking land. When Drive to Survive inevitably cover that, because they'll have to. Otherwise, again, from a comms perspective, us as the audience will turn around and we'll go, you had to. Like, why was there just this weird blank at the start of that season on Drive to Survive where you just decided, oh, we'll just do it from when very first practice for the first Grand Prix starts? No, that they will absolutely have to address that this is a thing that happened. And it'll probably just be a short montage of Horner's interviews and a few little captions and things like that. But that's just the point, isn't it? There is so much more than meets the eye when it comes to F1 in particular and the politics that go on behind the scenes. Red Bull is a brand. Red Bull Racing is a brand and an organisation. F1 and the FIA, they'll all be in cahoots, and that sounds like a really derisory term, but they'll all be working together to make sure that when we, the consumer, watch that situation and that set of events unfold on Drive to Survive, it will be what we need to see based on what they want us to see. It exactly. won't be, you know, that's it. And you're so right about it being And I
1: don't think you'll touch on any of the politics that's going on. Apparently, everybody knows what is alleged. My view is that usually when you have a huge group of people who know what the real deal is, that those details generally do come out. And we've already talked about them sort of coming out in a German newspaper. Yeah, and correct. The details do generally come out. And I think if it was honestly that bad, we would have already heard because it would have been too juicy and too salacious to be able to keep a lid on it with yeah. so many people in the know i mean maybe i'll i'll live to eat my words maybe this lady will come out with something which is truly horrific and would all be you know really sad on her behalf but for now we you have to go on on what has already been done for now you have to and this is that that's the whole purpose of having a good process and communicating it well and and I just want to say you know bearing that in mind bearing in mind that you know things could come out and things are yet to finish you know I think the good thing that's happened so far is that everything's been very factual and unemotional and you know whether you like or you don't like Christian Horner he has not been emotional about it he's Tried very much to keep a very, you know, dignified approach to to the whole situation. You know, who knows? We don't know if the guy's a monster or not. We don't mm-hmm. know. But what right. we do know is that and and try to trust is that an investigation has been done and has found him not to be culpable. Mm. But there's still rumors running around, and this is the interesting thing: what happens next, and how does Red Bull protect their brand? moving forward and certainly a power play at the top of the business ain't gonna help that brand one little bit
0: that uncertainty as well no chance that uncertainty will not help at all and I think as well yeah you're absolutely spot on in what you say I think you know ultimately you've got to back Red Bull you know publicly we the consumer of F1 have to back Red Bull because otherwise it's hearsay and it's salaciousness and I think I would go back to the journalists having been briefed by Red Bull and everything that came out. And yeah, I mean, there has been stuff in the news, an interview with the Ford CEO and Ford a uh, Red Bull's engine partner for the next F1 season and moving forward, and he criticized Red Bull recently for their lack of transparency to the stakeholders and the you know and, and, and the people involved in the team directly. But I think by and large, we the consumer, we the audience. And also the press have have by and large been kept relatively in a loop which has kind of stopped that salaciousness certainly in the british papers by and large and there's a bigger case study to be analyzed there you know if you are deliberately not transparent when it comes to these scandals and you don't take ownership and have a very clear strategy and prepare and have your message on point as we always say on this podcast and kind of be a bit reactive and be a bit reactionary as it were then the press in this country in particular are just going to start to speculate and that becomes dangerous and becomes quite slightly salacious there hasn't been an awful lot of speculation in the uk certainly to the best of my knowledge because they've been briefed throughout but you're right i mean maybe something will come out where we are we do feel very sad for, for the person involved in, in these allegations the the, the the hitherto unnamed participant in these allegations I mean, we'll get a part three out of it. That sounds very cold and very clinical, but we'll get a part three <laughs> podcast out of it. But yeah, I mean, I think it remains to be seen. But I think what we've settled on here is that we're because it's such a gargantuan organization, a gargantuan brand. I mean, you talk about Red Bull maybe being the third or fourth largest brand in F1. I'm gonna caveat by the way before people come at me in the in the comments on on YouTube or you know, email me and get in touch you know, by saying, Oh, Red Bull's a massive brand. Look, don't get me wrong, Red Bull's a massive brand worldwide. But if I go and buy a Red Bull, I go and buy a drink. If I go and buy a Ferrari, which I will never do, but if I go and buy a Ferrari, I'm buying a car. And the last time I checked, F1's about cars driving around a racetrack. It's not (laughs) about cans of energy driving around a racetrack. So what I mean by the fourth biggest brand in F1 is that I would argue when it comes to car manufacturer brands, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, they're all cars you can go and buy. You can't buy a Red Bull car red bull at make a car you know with ford engines and blah 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 anyway you know when it comes to these things formula one the brand will decide how you receive this information formula one the brand will decide our opinions for us almost in a way and we have obviously spoken in podcasts before about the fact that you should constantly be questioning the news you receive and constantly you know sort of be speculative and be appropriately speculative about the news you digest and the news you download but you've got
1: to I would say, I would say, take it with a pinch of salt.
0: Questioning, yeah.
1: Question it, yeah, because oftentimes you are on the receiving end of messages that people like me and Lyle have been crafting and and pushing out. Yeah, I will say though, some of the sort of feedback on the internal investigation for Red Bull, some of that feedback is people saying, "Well, of course they say that, and of course they would exonerate their, you know, their their head honcho." But it does a, a corporation no good, no good not to look yeah. inside itself and and stop the rot. And I think Red Bull is a mature enough corporation to understand that. So I, I you know, I, I would tend to believe an independent investigation was properly done and it wasn't influenced. But we're yet to
0: see. No, he's, like, he's been there since two thousand and five. Next year it would have been twenty years. If the findings are not positive and the outcome is is that he's actually guilty of some of the things he was alleged to have done and again this is just me putting forward an opinion I could be found completely wrong in the next few weeks if other things happen and there are other developments they just dress it as he's been here for 20 years and we thank him very much for everything he's done for Red Bull and it's time to go in a new direction and obviously everything that's going on upstairs would also feed that particular story and would feed that particular outlook on things but they've decided not to do that and I think you're absolutely right sometimes you know it's, it's right to question everything and it's right to be, you know, in, you know sort of like inquire about things and be speculative. I, I, I keep using that word speculative, probably the wrong word, but it's right to be kind of, you know, rightly questioning things. But sometimes you have also just got to back that there's been due process and they've been, you know, clear. Yeah,
1: in and I still hold it up as a good case study of communication to, to press in a time of crisis. I think, you know, we, we spend, you and me spend a lot of our time criticizing and saying no 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 no! you should have done this quicker you should have kept that person safe you should have done this and seems to me that they've kind of done it well
0: and everyone we criticize has every reason to not want to come on the podcast but if you work for red bull and particularly if you're (laughs) christian horner we're praising you so come on the pod yeah, you know, I'll, I'll email you, and we'll sort it out, and we'll get a date because there'll be a part three. I mean, one wonders if Christian Horner will want to come to a part three because necessarily, if there is a part three, it's probably because there have been developments that affect Christian Horner in a way. I'm sure there's going to be a
1: part three. I'm sure of it. Um, I don't know whether it'll be to do with Christian Horner or whether it'll be to do with the power struggle within the yeah. the top of the organisation.
0: That this is maybe kick-started possibly. You know, in a way that they probably didn't even believe would happen themselves. You know, maybe this event has kickstarted that change and they've been waiting for their opportunity. I mean, this no, it, one... will
1: be. it won't be Drive to Survive, it'll be F1 succession.
0: Oh, you imagine, you imagine, just make Brian Cox anyone, but Brian Cox, make Brian Cox Bernie Eccleston. It'll work. Trust me. Like I can no. see it already. No, <laughs> you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> we
1: haven't even Brian. talked
0: about Bernie. Yeah, I mean, it talks about Bernie, you know, good old Uh, Bernie. Deary me. I mean, that was was another era, really, of F1 and the salaciousness therein. But all I can say, listeners, as we bring this episode to a close is, first things first, thank you so much for joining us on Christian Horner Part 2, which is what it's been billed as, on the eve of the new F1 season as well. Very, very exciting. And I'd encourage you, obviously, if you can do so, to... Just download as much of that as you can personally and get involved in f one because it's going to be a fantastic season, I'm sure. One really hopes it's not as one-sided as it has been over the last two or three years. But then if you're a Verstappen fan, I imagine that you hope it is as one-sided and that he just dominates again. Is it going to be that great last dance for Sir Lewis as Jackie rightly calls him before he heads off to the to the glitter and the glamour of Ferrari and then all that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, definitely down like that. But also, as it stands, Christian Horner, business as usual, he will be in the paddock with Red Bull Racing. He is as we speak, as I believe, as we record on this Thursday afternoon, Thursday 29th of February. There you go. I've done what we never do. I've dated the podcast. First practice has happened. We've got qualifying and things like that tomorrow. So it's very, very exciting. By the time this goes out, we should know who will be the runners and riders as we enter into the first race of the Grand Prix season. But... Listeners, a few quick T's and C's before I let you go after this brilliant episode of The Rest is PR. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so by emailing us, info at demozo.com or info at the rest is PR.com. You can also go to both of those websites, the rest is PR.com for all things, the podcast, demozo.com, for all the brilliant things Demoso are doing at the moment. And they are many, may I say. Uh, you can also follow us on X, formerly Twitter, at the rest is PR, capital T, capital R, capital I. Capital PR it really is that simple, and you can also message Jackie or myself on LinkedIn. Jackie Boars, Lyle Fulton. We will respond to messages on that platform as well, provided neither of us are grabbing an Amazon package. Otherwise, you might just have to wait a few minutes before we message you back. There she is. There it is. She's still fuming. Absolutely brilliant. Also, I want to caveat this by saying: far be it from me to con to compare poor James not picking up an Amazon package <laughs> to the allegations that Christian Horner faced. <laughs> I seem very. I I became very aware just after you rang the segue bell at the start of this episode that I'd made a very strange comparison about not picking up an Amazon package, and being the team principal embroiled in all these, you know, ridiculous allegations when it comes to (laughs) Red Bull Racing F1. But there you are, listeners. This is live podcasting. What we knew about it. Thank you so much for joining us on the latest episode of the SBR. Jackie, same time next week. What do you reckon? Absolutely. Stuff. We cannot wait to have you on for the ride next week, listeners. But in the meantime, from Jackie and myself, take care of yourselves. It's bye for now.